Aloha, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. And as always, I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I am also the founder of the Holistic Health Mastery Program. This is my online holistic nutrition certification course, which is designed to take a student from the basics of natural nutrition all the way to the most cutting-edge areas of integrative health and lifestyle transformation. This program is really unlike anything else that's ever been available on the internet, featuring a comprehensive 70-video lesson curriculum, 55 bonus videos, a student community support group, and a monthly live video training with me personally, which is like doing a coaching session with me and hundreds of students from all over the world each and every month. This program has received incredible reviews and feedback from students of all backgrounds and all educational levels, such as the budding health experts and professionals to longtime holistic wellness enthusiasts, all the way to the complete beginner. There seems to be a lot here to offer to virtually everyone who has a keen interest in learning how to optimize their body, mind, and spirit through redesigning what they believe is possible, not only for their health, but ultimately for their life and the lives of those around them. And one more thing that sets this course apart from all others is that once you enroll, there are no hidden fees, no limitations on the content that you can access up front, and no time restrictions. This means that once you purchase the program, it is yours, period. End of story. There's no 6- or 12-month time limitations with a continuation fee waiting for you at the end. This is a go-at-your-own-pace course that you can continue to access as a lifelong resource that will prove to be an investment into your education, into your health, and into your personal growth that will bear fruit for years to come. So you can find more information and enroll into the Holistic Health Mastery Program at www.holistichealthmastery.com. Aloha. Welcome to another episode of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. And today I have two very special guests with me. They're very good friends and they've been staying with me for the last week or so. And really incredible conversations, journeys and explorations into consciousness have expressed or have evolved through our conversations basically on an every day and every night basis to the point where I realized like, wow, we need to actually record the central themes and the essence and the substance that we're really tapping into because it's the, it's the real conversations that I think everybody in the world, especially that the type of people like you that are listening to a podcast like this, these are the conversations that we've been missing into the depth that we want to go and really breaking down the, the, the principles of sacred relationships and the sacred and divine masculine and the feminine energy and going a step further than most people tend to go. And I'm really excited to bring on these two individuals. Uma Lakshmi and Keaton Strong are with me here in the studio. How are you doing? We're doing great. Really good. 
Thanks for having us. Uh huh. Yeah, my pleasure. Like I said, it's it, awesome. yeah, and and yeah, like I said, the the conversations that we've been having have just been really bringing a lot of disparate elements together. They've been weaving together like the the tapestry of the the picture. I like to use metaphors if anyone hasn't noticed. <laughs> the picture, you know, the masterpiece essentially that we're, we're wanting to put together to create our life. That's what lifestyle design actually means. You are the conscious designer and architect of your life. And one of the most important areas is relationships. That's like the glue that holds it all together, right? It really is. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go into that. But before we do, I just want to get everyone to to get a feel for each one of you what are you about what's your passion um yeah well um it's uma lakshmi here and um my passion really is um love music meditation all the arts i i'm here to just bring bring my compassion and bring it through my creative flow into the world to just better the world and create more harmony and peace and uh keaton strong here and i would me um i love consciousness science and how you can apply this to the practical life that we as human beings um can use in our everyday life and then from this um connect the spiritual and physical bridges in the ways of relationships Absolutely. And so, Uma, you, you're a musician. Mm-hmm. You're a really passionate musician. And that's brought up a lot of cool, in-depth conversations about the nature of, you know, changing the paradigm around a lot of the, the brick and mortar and established perspective of how, like, the music industry runs or how the movie industry works and kind of how people are assuming that they have to fit themselves into that mold of how it's always been done or they can't be successful, they can't um, totally be as passionate as maybe they would like to be, you know, in their own skin. So what's that experience been like for you? Um, Well, you know, that experience for me has centered a lot around the concept of money because the music industry is a way for musicians to make money. However, of course, as we most of us know it is laced with all sorts of other people's agendas and different intentions and sometimes the musician gets lost in that and then their true art gets lost as well so for me what's worked is to be able to step back from it entirely and as i as this island has provided for me a space on Kauai for me to just go inside of myself and find out who i truly am and remove and clear any programs or limiting beliefs that are blocking me from really embodying who I truly am. And by doing that first, now I feel ready, after like three years of doing that basically on this island, now I feel ready to actually go out there and put my music out there and share myself because I have such a strong identity as the creator that now I can share that pure love with with the world. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I'm definitely saying yes now to being financially supported in that as an artist in this world. And so that's what um, I'm now creating. And that's, that's the real thing is that we are all creators. So we have the ability and the power to create any reality that we choose. Mm-hmm. 
And there's a there's a thing. I had Elijah Ray on the show a couple episodes back, and he sat yeah. here where you guys are sitting. And I asked him a similar question. Um, he's a little further along in his career, but yeah, he's been a big inspiration to me. Absolutely, to me too. And I'm not even a musician per se, but I, I asked him, you know. In reference to the music industry, why have you chosen to forego that linear path and do your passion? And, you know, everyone can check out that that episode to go more in depth than that. But but essentially what he said to me was that there's potential timelines that we see in front of us. And even if you go, you, you take on the same actions and behaviors and you, you get far enough, they can parallel, but eventually you get to a place where even the slightest action will divert those paths and they'll become very far apart 10 years later. So essentially what he was saying to me and what I'm trying to relay is that you have a choice of the type of person you're going to become and the path you take will craft that and you want to be conscious of how you move forward in these kind of things because you may end up becoming a person you don't want to be in order to get what you think you want that's exactly what i am just expressing is that that's why i've held back for so long so i could make sure that i'm at a place in my consciousness where when i do go out things that like that that come at me and want to take away or use what I have and change it in a way that what it is, what it's not. And now I'm able to just feel like, no, I know what it is. I know who I am. And <clears throat> this is the way that I'm going to do it and be strong in that. So it's taken this like um, discovery of my own inner strength and my own inner power to be ready to be a confident, um, successful musician. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I just want to express is that for for all musicians and anybody who's trying to create anything, their dream in the world, uh, you are and we are the energy of success. We there is no failure because it's just creator doesn't fail. Like there, there's just um, there's no way. <laughs> and using this beautiful uh, um, communication, we can now verbalize more about relationships in this sense too, because. You know, from what I'm hearing and from what I've been hearing uh, through Ronnie's um, understandings and philosophies as well is the relationships are more than just how you feel with another being. This is also how you relate to music. This is how you relate to food. It's how you relate to the world and life that we are currently experiencing. Um, And we've all been really conditioned into thinking a certain mind state is how you appreciate this. Um, And in connection with um, with what you were saying, I could then say that, right, it's musicians have to learn, like Elijah Ray kind of demonstrated, that the whole the whole passion behind music, what is your relationship to it? Is it for the money or is it for the passion? Mm-hmm. Which I think is a is a essential distinction, right? Um, I, what I notice in the world as I look at my upbringing and being an athlete, I can totally relate to that because. I didn't go the the traditional path, so to speak. I didn't really get activated in that part of my purpose at the time until I was like 16 when I had something aligned inside of me that really gave me the confidence to really pursue that. And so I went in a roundabout way, but I noticed that the thing that gave me strength was I just had the next thing revealed to me and then I jumped in, it gave it my all, and I just knew somehow I had this very deep, intrinsic faith some people might call it naive i certainly had those thoughts but for some reason it was an energy that overtook my my um 
the excuses and the the, right, the right. defensiveness. I just I just bought into it. I'm like, no, I totally believe that that can happen, and that's the only thing that lights me up. Therefore, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, so I can relate to that, and and it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic. I think where I want to where I want to go with that and with both of you is you mentioned the relating part and how we relate to other things in our life and right. definitely in the dynamic of a relationship with another human being. Right. I'd love to tap into that with you because listening to Uma, obviously you have your perspective of being her partner in right. this junction in life. And so I'm curious about what your perspective is and also that, you know, how your journey is paralleling that. Well, relationships from what I've been seeing uh, through the experience is attempting to maintain your own unique sovereignty while also giving your all to this unique individual, but also maintaining that harmonious relationship uh, in the ways that we've been conditioned in this society. It seems to be the hard things that we're really going through as a species. Um, As we're now collectively advancing in evolution of consciousness and science, we're now also reaching stages of also this way of communication. I mean, we're seeing this in Facebook and other sociological mechanisms that um, that clearly are demonstrating that we we're having new ways of communicating. You know, like through a text message, I don't I'm not really conveyed the emotional qualities that I would have in a person to person, you know, interaction. interaction. Right. So I think this is where, you know, coming now is when you actually have to put down the smartphone and sit next to your partner and truly say, look, like, this is how I am. This is how you are. How can we really make this work? And also then, you know, being that, you know, in connection, she's an artist in a whole different way. I tend to like to uh, paint my own inner temple, so to speak, where she enjoys the artistic expression of that music from the inside out. So finding time in the morning, for example, in our dynamic of just having that space. Space is key in these new paradigms um, to understanding relationships is what I've really seen. Let's let's punch the button on that a little bit more. I, I was really excited to hear that because, as you know, that's been part of my journey lately, and just just the revelations, <laughs> the insights that have that have come through being in these more micro relationships. Um, mm-hmm. Just in terms of they're a little more transitory because you know, for me and a lot of people in general, we we have stages, you know, I mean, you called it like the preparation relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a really great way to look at it. Um, so for me, I've been getting more clear with my vision that's been inside of me, but somehow I've been outwitting it a little bit through my mind and painting a more, you know, like the perfect partner kind of picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so the communication with myself, I feel, um, needs to go through refinement, and that's what I really like, and I think you're getting at. And when you say creating space and increasing um, our communication, that's that's exactly what I'm saying, actually, Ronnie. Uh, through creating an inner space and temple, such as through the concepts and practices of meditation um, or other numerous disciplines, be your choice. You give yourself adequate time to understand the relationship. Many beings, once again, they're. They're, they're living so much to the society's standards now. You know, you have the nine to five job, you have the kids, the wife and the dogs and like I'm the breadwinner, etc. Now, these are old, outdated mind states in an ever present and ever changing uh, socioeconomical system. So now this is where now, as you we've mentioned relationships now where 
the question then is really then how do we maintain this in a functioning way in this paradigm? And this is where, as we come back to the term of space, where we can all have this adequate room to feel sovereign and know that our our power and energy is dedicated to someone who's also giving back in return. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, when it, it translates back into, like, for example, like I've been working on my music all day today, and uh, my beloved has been working on other things, and now we're coming together in harmony to create something together. So it becomes really natural when you have a person that is your other whole. It is what a twin flame truly is, to be right. perfectly clear, is uh, is one soul and two bodies. And if you listeners could see us, you would see that we look very, very similar. We have all these similar features. And that's because we are one, truly. And so because we have... Um, done enough work inside ourselves to realize that on very many levels now we're able to harmonize because that is where harmonization comes from is unity when you realize that we're just one then there's no there's it's the end of difficulty it's the end of struggle because Mm -hmm. you're not fighting against yourself you're harmonizing with yourself so it's really it's really like amazing experience to look at myself in another body staring right back at me and see the concept of the divine masculine in a embodied right, right in front of me as I said mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's really like honestly something that's mind-boggling <laughs> yeah it's, and it's such a it's such a um, it's beautiful and also there can be all kinds of sociological connotations when we think of the idea of you know, finding that perfect match, they're going to complete me. Or even what you're referring to is that we're two whole sovereign beings coming together. Now, I totally see that, and it's a level of obviousness that that's presented to me, but I feel like um, where it can be slightly confusing for people that are on that sovereignty path that are on, especially men, right? Because, you know, really, archetypically, men are, you know, we, we have a quest to complete a mission of some sort, right? There's something that's driving us in our life, um, you know, uh, intrinsically. So that we feel sometimes that there can be that pull towards the feminine or towards a, a partner. And the, the, the dichotomy that, as a man, sometimes I come up against is thinking that um, that partnership, per se, is going to somehow leak energy from me. It's going to distract me. Yeah. It's not going to actually enhance my core quest in life. And yet the other quandary is that I do know that I'm not meant to walk this path by myself. Yes. Right. There's, there's a, there's a room for both of those ideas to come together. Yeah. And I think in this, I think that in this situation from what you're describing as well, this also comes back to, as you said, the sociological conditioning um, where you see uh, shows like Jersey Shore, right? So you have these people going out there and being promiscuous with numerous beings and having numerous sexual interactions. And from there, they come back. They're usually a mess. They go through this drunken stage, etc. Um, so it really comes back to knowing yourself and trusting your intuition and not, not living from the lower uh, – 
the genitals, so to speak, you know, uh, you know, actually feeling from your heart. And this is where the practices like abstinence and these ancient arts actually come in is it doesn't mean you don't go have sex. It means that you think and feel before you act. Mm -hmm. And in the process of doing that, you start to see that, um, all these beings that would cheat on you or leech from you or all these just start fading away because you start seeing your main intention of why you would have even engaged that energy in the first place. And I think this is where a lot of males have that struggle. They feel they have to go out and have sex and go to the bars to meet their significant other, and they end up hurting themselves in the process and thinking that's life. Yeah, I found I found just thinking about that even last night, it's, it's kind of this, this – it's very illogical when you just look at it, but it is a pattern that somehow we we just kind of get into is that while the man may be on that quest and very committed to it, um, there is that, that quandary where you still are physical, sexual, and you're also genuinely – because your heart, if you're on a quest, then it means you have a, right. you know, kind of a noble heart, right? So you, there's a part of you that wants that connection with a woman. So oftentimes we will spread ourselves thin and have these micronized relationships right. that only get to a certain point, And then the next one will come, the next one, the next one, right? Um, and so anyways, that's kind of like the paradox. It seems kind of obvious to me now that I put it out on a table. I'm like, wow, that, why would I think that spreading myself thin would somehow be a way to conserve energy opposed to actually traveling the path with another partner? Exactly. Yeah. And I, I, I feel that that partner is everybody wants the twin flame relationship because that is the ultimate relationship. So any other relationship, as I said, and as you relayed before, is that training ground for that twin flame relationship. So in my experience, it's just been a natural process where I meet somebody, we have a connection and we start a relationship and everything that we experience together prepares me for my beloved that is sitting right next to me. Mm. And if you are able to just do your inner work inside through your meditation and your, through your spiritual practice, then you don't necessarily need to have a relationship with another person to learn all these things. They're a really good mirror and it definitely is um, an accelerated growth path, but you don't have to do it if you don't want to. Mm. So the other part of it is that we think we just have to, go out there and and have sex with people but we actually don't and it's funny to say that but a lot of people do actually believe that you can just have a relationship with a woman men that that it's just a pure friendship and by being aware of yourself and being in control of your energy you can you don't have to uh project anything that that woman might feel uncomfortable with you can just have a pure friendship Mm-hmm. And so I think that would be um, an advisable course for people who are mm-hmm. seeking to have um, company in their lives. Mm-hmm. To explore it, um, not so much non-physically, but but without that pre-programmed, societally programmed, again, as a man, um, of there's, there's typically like a sequence of events that typically happen in the engagement of the opposite sex when, in, when there's a physical attraction. Um, for a lot of people, it's like, okay, one date, two date, three dates. And then it's some, it's like an unconscious contract that if you get to that point, somehow you'll end up in bed together, right? 
And so some of that conditioning follows us even as we become more enlightened, meaning we lighten up, we lighten up the baggage load, and we, we, we become more aware of these things and start actually practicing them in our lives. This is the one that many of us this is like the final frontier, so to speak. Like yeah. this is the harmonizing route that is going to bring all our the things we actually want to create in the world together. And it's like you said, it's not to say that it's through that physical partner per se. It's through you. What I did last night is I, I did the binary beats and the, the remote viewing practice. We'll talk about that later, everybody. <laughs> but I basically asked with sincere intention – Show me the queen inside of me that has not been acknowledged. Mm-hmm. And that was a great way to shift things for me. And it's playing, it's, it's, it's me looking into the masculine archetypes, the yes. lover in this case, that gets expressed in one way, like my books or my creativity, but also gets repressed in other ways. Right. Um, yeah. And I think this also stems into what we were discussing uh, the other night as well about the, the warrior archetype that is also masculine and then the lover that is as well in which case for our listeners where the warrior archetype is the aspect of us that is the protector that i will serve i will accomplish my mission etc and then sometimes we have the case where the lover i'm the nurturer i'm the protector of my child my family and my well-being in that form they have this uh in this case a metaphysical quandary with each other where you know people also then believe well if i if i divert my path from the warrior path then the lover i won't make my i won't make any progress you know and it's that limiting belief system um and it also then comes back to you know i mean we even see this in our natural things i mean in the uh you know on the mainland i remember here uh they have this thing like the 30-minute rule, right, where a girl texts you that you're interested in, right? And you – yeah, right? And in my homies, all the friends, you know, would say, oh, man, wait. You don't, don't text her for at least 30 minutes because, you know, like you don't want her to see – you don't want to come off I know that and, one really well. Right, right. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, so what we're seeing is we, we don't really even as males sometimes know how to even engage the lover archetype. You know, we feel that the lover has these – these uh, logical, you know, connotations to it, but really, it's it's not. It's it's the same as the warrior, where it just you do what you got to do, mm. and just and be that man in a healthy way, um, in the sense of having respect and learning what dominant qualities are in a male, and then learning how to express them appropriately with the divine feminine female, because we have these bizarre. You know, you get into a relationship, but, you know, you really are tested with who you are sovereign as a sovereign being, you know, and where your qualities lie that maybe you don't realize when you're single, like with sex. You know, you may engage in sex and, and then suddenly you find out that you're in a dominant mode. All of your spiritual evolution has essentially just kind of pushed itself out of the way for that moment as the primal aspects <laughs> take over. Um, so it's really something that is really it's, it's in that moment, you know, like you, it's it's really wise to look at yourself and take a step back. But this is up to each individual, mm. and this is up to the healthy male. The the healthy male archetype can really do anything, you know. Um, they really can, and they and and then the feminine archetype is the ultimate support. But they're also sovereign, and, and and we all have these archetypes. That's the thing. I'm just as much as the feminine archetype as the masculine. 
right? You just happen to be in a male's body. Right. And, and, and that's something too, where it gets a little bit more esoteric and a little more like, you know, cosmological when you begin to access into more of what meditation is bringing you to the table. Um, and when you truly activate your, your pineal gland, you know, you always hear about this, but when you put, activate this, you put on Google Glasses is the equivalent, right? You have new access menus to life that other people might not see, and this is also relating to relationships. Because when you are able to communicate using certain energy abilities, which the mystics refer to in numerous documents, well, you begin to have a connection and relationship with nature and a relationship with your food in ways, in all forms, that you've never thought possible. So, yeah, that also translates into a relationship with your inner guidance as well. Right. Uh, you, we both experience the, um, the quality of having, having clear guidance. Yes. And so when we, when we tune in and we listen and we know what to do and how to be and where to go each moment by, by using that internal guidance system. And because we do that, we're able to come together and, uh, flow in and out of each other's experience and still be in perfect harmony somehow. Right. And I think that the, uh, the domination and the control that comes from both women and men through the programming um, is definitely the main blocker to, the, to that perfect harmony and that perfect flow. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think that you know, everybody, um, just to relate uh, on the feminine side of the coin, being a, being a woman, you know, I, um, in my experience, I've always been more submissive. And that is as well has been out of balance. Just like the men have been a little bit more dominant and controlling, right. the, the women have been a little bit more submissive. However, it, it goes both ways in different cases. And I think that's the main thing to remember when we're dealing with issues like this is that everybody is uh, everybody has been told something that is a lie about mm. relationships. And so we're all basically having to clear out and start from scratch and start from new. And that's where conversations like this are very important so that we can really get a new foundation of what it is to be healthy and what it is to be harmonious and how do we, in fact, let go of all this domination and control within ourselves? I think that's a great question. Absolutely. And what I want to also communicate to everyone listening um, is that you two have had to work at this together, right? Yes. This Definitely. isn't, you two have been quote unquote whole in your own right, but that doesn't mean that, okay, we come together and it's all roses or it's all perfect. We're in perfect harmony. And now, you know, we're, we're conduits for God's light. You know, it's, it's more than that. Like you two have a very interesting story of how you even came to this house to stay here for a couple of weeks with me. Yeah. Let's, I would love uh, to dive into that a little bit. Well, yeah. Um, essentially, yeah. Through, uh, after we kind of met, um, we had been just really sitting with each other and traveling, um, and going through numerous situations that essentially caused us spiritual uh, growth in an accelerated way. For example, um, we were living out of a car for a while here. And in the process of living out of the car and sharing such a confined space with someone you are really you know, caring about and wanting to get to know, it causes you uh, the natural catalytic action 
to actually experience another person. And, and that's not all roses, as you said. I mean, this comes down to, you know, me, I like to wake up early and do my things and etc. Well, okay, well, how does this flow with her schedule since we're now sharing the, a very compacted vehicle? Um, and, and through these processes of actually sitting down and, and discussing things like sexual desires and discussing things like um, uh, drinking like water habits, learning to actually share little together, I think was the ultimate thing that really helped us was like being in a position where we almost had nothing but paradoxically had each other. Mm-hmm. So it's funny to know that we had a, we have what a lot of people are searching for, but at the same time, they have what we're kind of searching for. Mm. So it's like we can share in this understanding. And, and yeah, so coming together with us was more sharing the spiritual side of the coin with each other because that we are very spiritual beings individually and collectively. Um, so it was really interesting in that regard. Yeah, and I, I feel like it does come back again and again. All these questions come back to doing the inner work and the inner meditation. And we didn't... We didn't try to go out and get jobs because we knew that the real work was inside of us. So we would just sit in our van and we would just do the inner work. And eventually we were able to actually reflect a new situation where we're now here in this beautiful house with you, Ronnie. And um, that we didn't get that through changing our outside reality. We got that through changing our inner reality. Let's let's touch on that one quickly because for a lot of people, and we hear this a lot, like do the inner work, then the outer world will change. Um, but for a lot of people, that that they don't have a tool set or a manual for what that means. So a lot there, of t- is a, there is a, um, I would say, a step in between as well, mm-hmm. which is do the inner work, understand yourself, understand what's blocking you. And then receive the guidance through your meditation of what it is you need to do mm-hmm. in order to create your reality. Because there usually is an action to take, but it comes, the clarity of what that action is comes from the inner work. Okay, yeah. So finding inner clarity through some kind of meditation or just being with yourself and listening for what that action step is and then taking action when it's presented to you. Exactly. Right. Well, and also we have to touch on this, you know, before we even touch on the esoteric stuff of the, of spirituality, let's come down to the foundations and really talk about the diet. You know, it's the diet that really allows the energy to flow and allows you to have a healthy mind state to make um, educated mm-hmm. decisions from, and then this is also where the spiritual guidance comes into play. It's not like you are this control, like you're just free flowing being. You actually have uh, the energy to co-create um, with this force, whatever we are. Um, and so, so through the diet, we actually are able to become clear enough to receive that guidance mm-hmm. in ourselves. Because when we cleanse and get all the heavy metals and everything out of our body, and we we feel that purity and that breath come in, that health. Mm-hmm. That's that's the state of being that you want to be in in order to actually experience that clarity. Because then no matter what situation you're actually in, you are feeling good. And I think that's a big thing to say is that a lot of, a lot of us are really controlled inside by the external reality. And this is also in human relationships, you know, like, Oh my gosh, my girlfriend liked this guy's picture. Oh no. Like that must mean this, that must mean that. And we start just creating this negative self-sabotaging doubt with this, this sword, you know, um, and I think that is that's a big um, de- destroyer of people's thing is just how to okay, it's okay, and just let it be. 
Mm-hmm. You know? So not being so reactionary over every little thing and then creating some negative projected outcome of what this thing means. Like, oh, he did this or she did this. That means this from my past and see it's repeating. And then the perpetuation of these negative feedback loops that essentially are determining the things that show up in our life and also to our ability to have clarity when an opportunity is presented, but it might be disguised based on right. the reflection of our state of mind. Yes. So we're not sure. And we, we are basically in a state of paralysis. Yes, yeah, definitely it. Um, you know, a lot of people create their own fear and they create it through, <clears throat> let's just put it this way. A lot of people destroy the good relationships. Right. right? Yes. Um, you see it over and over again. in so in this society, you find the good girl, everything's going right, but you think, the person as the male or female thinks, this is going to perfect, there has to be a problem. And then thus they create their own problem and their own destruction. And I think that does translate to life in general because uh, right, life is way better than we have been told it can be. Right. <laughs> I like the phrase, uh, life is not mathematical, it's magical. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing about um, a relationship is is really to keep your focus on the magical aspects. The fact that you're so appreciation, you're so you're in such a state of appreciation and gratitude for this being and for your life that you're creating together. That there is no room to argue, mm. and if there is something that comes up, you're, you you can just talk about it and conversate and then come to an understanding communication and that really is basically the most important thing about relationships and the, well it's what's the, it's been the big one of the bigger problems i mean connecting even more to this you know the grounded aspect of the social media i mean like everyone is learning to communicate but also it i'll speak for myself in this case right the uh i love to love everyone I love seeing everyone. I love being happy. I love seeing other people and telling them how beautiful they are. But then we also have this understanding at the soul and energetic level that I am able to give my love fully to someone, but know that she is who I am in love with. So I can love you, Ronnie, with all of my heart, but but at the same time, it's more of like when you love yourself, you can love others, mm. you know, and this is, this is a key factor and, and communication is what allows these things to grow. You know, if you don't communicate, let's just relate this to gardening for all these gardeners mm-hmm. out there, right? If your plant is saying, yo, I need nitrogen. Well, and if you don't give your plant the nitrogen, you begin to see the yellowing of the leaves and etc. So it begins to die. The, the, in this case, the metaphorical relationship begins to die because you're not giving and receiving uh, equally. So a lot of people feel that I think it's because of the miscommunication or the lack thereof because someone feels that they're not comfortable communicating or they we get into this thing of walking on eggshells because right. we don't want to trigger something. That's pretty yeah, common. Yeah, I definitely experienced that. Yeah, and so there becomes this thing where um, – you, you let something burrow inside of you instead of properly communicating it, and then your partner doesn't get the communication. They don't know the signal. So, for example, um, a partner could be making tea, could be making right. food, could be um, supporting the partner in ways that they feel are being very supportive, but the other person 
doesn't receive it because to them they need support in a different area. Right. But who would know that if you don't bridge mm-hmm. that? Right. Well, and this is something we face every day, even as a couple. I mean, just the other morning, we you know to make this a little more personal for our audience. Uh, you know, we woke up and we were both kind of in this state of like, we have to do something. We were basically creating our own busy feeling in our life, even though there was nothing to actually do. And it resulted in us not communicating properly. And we both actually got the feelings of aggression and, you know, with each other of saying, what are you doing? Like, what's going on here? Like, but using our inner disciplines and awareness, we said, okay, there must be something that we're missing here if we're arguing. Right. And this is where the communication, we sat down and we addressed it. You know, we shared some tea and and truly got to the root of the issue. Oh, and come to find out it was about the, you know, like money issues. Right. So this is where, you know, like like she was saying, it really comes down to this, the money with relationships too. the relationship with money. (laughs) What we're really seeing is relationships are far more controlled sociologically in our own lives than we would like to expect or like to think, you know, um, you know, like we discussed, for example, some people creating relationships because they are damaged and they create their own situation where, um, they don't want to leave the relationship because then they're not supported in a way that helped them. So then they'd have to support their self. Uh, it really is communication really. And just to be honest with that person. And the other part of communication is to take responsibility for your own self-work. So instead of blaming him, I look at myself, ideally, and I, and I see myself, okay, what's, what is this in me? And then I'm able to relay that, well, I feel frustrated about this, but I understand that you're not doing anything to me that's wrong. Right. I'm just frustrated, and so let's talk about it. And, and so so to in order to have those consistent conversations i think to myself because i've been in many of them sometimes it can be that point where you're like oh okay are we gonna have to do this every day is it gonna be like this we're always gonna have to sit down and process kind of thing that's one perspective of course but another one is that because the only reason that that thought form comes up at least in the way that i have it is because I'm so focused on myself and I think that I have to actually do everything. That's why I'm not wanting to take time because I have created a load of work or, you know, the idea of work anyways. So essentially I have to carry that load. But really, if you have that communication with one another, it actually speeds up and creates opportunities because you're tuning up your tuning fork together and you're reflecting back to each other. So so the blind spots that I might have or someone might have are revealed mm-hmm. to you so you can actually speed up that, that, um, that process. Yes, yeah. definitely. And yeah, that's where this, the communication dynamic actually takes a whole other spin on it is, uh, is through these processes of inner work because now you're communicating with not just your exterior, you're communicating with yourself in real time in that moment. So you're saying, when I sit down with you, I am feeling this. This is how I feel. And, and this is where a lot of people have that problem because we've been conditioned as males that you don't express your feelings. You don't have that, you know? Like, And this is where a lot of men, like, they break down crying and their friends are, oh, look at him. Oh, he's crying. He must... No, it's okay. You know, it's okay to cry. It's okay to have feelings of babe, I just want to go and run through the fields or something. You know, it's okay to have these feelings and not denying these aspects um, 
is a key in the communication because it determines just being real with each other. <laughs> like just simple, that, simply that just being as real as you can with that person and being comfortable knowing that, you know what, this is the truth. And in relationship back into work and into money, um, we can, once we have this level of harmony where we can have this flow between the two people, then the, the room has been freed for us to create more. And that's where everybody wants to have a lifestyle where they're doing exactly what they love to do. They're enacting their true passions and they're also being fully supported financially and in all ways. And that's what that's what the creator wants for you. So in order to actually make that happen by having a partnership that is harmonious and flowing together where there is a clear communication and both people have a purpose that they know that they're acting individually, then the two worlds can actually come together and create, create a whole new reality that, for example, I am a musician and I'm enacting the life purpose of presenting my arts to the world and receiving blessings back and forth like that. And my beloved has his other passions. He's a extre- um, extreme, extremely powerful meditator and he knows all these ancient practices of um, how to use your abilities, your psychic abilities. And he's extremely uh, important key player in the revolution of our brains um so we both have these particular things that we're really good at and that we're choosing to share with the world and now that we have the harmony as i said we can actually we can actually uh do that and be supported in that so now that i have him i can be a musician and it's not that i'm not strong by myself it's quite the opposite but I also now have this extra added support that is really invaluable. Right. And, and also you're not using that support in your partner um, codependently. You're not using it as your life support. Exactly. You, again, maintain the sovereignty, maintain your individual's identity, but you also harmonize. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for everybody to take these words, sovereignty, harmonization, unity, and really meditate on those words and see what they are for you. What is the feeling you get when you actually tune into the concept of the energy of unity, the energy of harmony, the energy of sovereignty, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. really form your own um, idea of what that really means. Mm, So it appears to me that in our society, there's a huge emphasis placed on work ethic and perseverance and essentially pushing the boulder up the hill, right? Like Sisyphus. Yeah. And there's a lot of like reverence and respect and pride to that. And it's interesting to think about the idea that what the creator does want for us is to be extensions of that Force, And that means that there would only be abundance because the creator is never in absence. Therefore, everything actually is abundant ultimately. So the idea that in order to create our dreams or live the life that we want to in full abundance, it appears to me that the thing that actually holds us back from fully expressing that is the belief systems, the, the, 
which all create limitations and the the different ways that we've clouded up our 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 uh, windshield so to speak and if we can progressively get back into clarity these uh, these things start to just kind of happen in our lives well and this is where it comes back to once again looking at the entire pie chart of what this is all going on for right we're going through <clears throat> for lack of better terms a revolution in consciousness right you know, we all thought World War Three would be something physically we'd be seeing, but what we're really seeing it's it's uh, it's the war of the mind, really. It's like the attempt to the inner uh, have civil our, war, right? To have us be swayed into maintaining this old way of living, uh, and I mean, what that's where it really is is we start really seeing why the question really is why because we start seeing why do I think this way? Why am I acting, etc. and uh, and in relationships with all of life, we've been told this. No one gave us now a new handbook for this new paradigm that we're entering into, really. I mean, you know, we have guidance from all these ancient practices and teachers, and we have other people's, like, what we're going through in their expression of it. But really, though, this is – it's a collective – when they say evolution, they mean we don't really know we're going into it, you know, but it's happening nonetheless. And I'm a, I'm a part of it, you know, like all of us. Uh, you see this with all of us going through these changes in our lives and how we're relating to life itself. You know, on the Hawaiian Islands, we're seeing self-sustainability jumping up. We're seeing conscious awareness and meditation and actively using sound for healing, you know, an active uh, – Actually being a part of what this creator really is embodying through us is this limitless possibilities and probabilities of your life. Um, and I feel that this is kind of where all of this really is kind of leading to. <laughs> and uh, it, it really comes down to how do you relate to God or call it what you will, right? How do you relate to the source field? How do you relate to your consciousness? How do you relate to food, anything? And it really comes down and back to love, Right. It, it does. It comes back to, well, you know what? Like, love dissipates all these barriers. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you're eating. If I love you, it's okay. Love. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what we really have to learn as a species is unconditional love. We know how to love humanly. We know how to give our heart to another person and share, share our heart. But unconditional love is something completely different. It's an all-encompassing energy. It's the... It's the life force of the universe is what it's very it's the very fabric of the universe because it's all made of so when you embody that type of love it's there are no conditions there's i don't it's not like i love him if he does this for me or if he's that if he's like this way no i just love him no matter what right and that is so important because if i if i can't love him then i can't love myself and so it, it again comes back to self-love as well and once you truly love yourself, that is the position where you will attract a, another being who loves you just as much. Okay, good, good, good note to continue on here. <laughs> so what's going to come up for all of us listening to this, um, for most of us, I should say, is that we want to maybe create that or anything in our life, um, not necessarily to fill a void because, or, I mean, um, not necessarily to fill a void, but in order to, it's simply something you want to experience, you know, exactly. being in that partnership, seeing what that's really like to love somebody on a whole nother level. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about 
I know there's no manual. Mm-hmm. I'm being very specific with the way I phrase this, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but I think you know where I'm going with this is that how can we all start to migrate further with more clarity into that place? Great question. Well, and this is where each individual being is so unique in their creating uh, ways and how they view life, where I would say that there almost isn't a correct way other than focus on the inner spirit that is calling and guiding you to whatever you're being called to. And it's really obvious, you know, if you wake up in the morning and you feel like going outside, well, there's a reason you're feeling that. It's because your heart is calling, you know, and, and using now like the Institute of Heart Maths research, you know, and all these numerous things, we've discovered that, you know, the neuroganglion tissue that's actually on the heart that allows us to actually see there's a small brain. Scientists actually call it that, the small brain of the heart, you know. As and, well as in the belly, and all the neurons. In the right, belly. right. And, and all these... Uh, it's like these, I have a gut feeling. Yeah, all yeah. these chakra points, you know, they're really these massive nerve endings that are just a... Um, synergistic compound to the actual like light aspect of these swirling portals of light when you access the higher uh frequencies of thought um so yeah you know like just really like listening to what this field is telling you because the heart is way stronger than the brain and this is medical science this isn't esoteric wisdom from the past this is that we can demonstrate empirically that while your heart is radiating a field and the institute of heart math's actual instruments they said that it ended at about you know 200 meters or something, but it was also they mentioned that their instruments couldn't go further. So who knows really where the heart really ends in that sense? So and so we're all connected in that field of love, right. and you can actually measure it. And and love is this is why I say when I say love, I mean I'm not just talking like oh hey, I'm talking about a very measurable phenomenon, right? When you are in a constant state of gratitude and feeling appreciative for life and your and those around you. You, when they say raise your vibrations, I mean you are actively raising and lifting your heart. You know, you are lifting the weight of your heart. You're raising its vibration, and and this is where you start emanating a field that people come up to you and they say, "Wow, I don't know what it is about you, but my, I just feel the love." You know, you've heard that before, mm-hmm. right? Like, I feel the love from these musicians. Well, it's because they're doing what they want and they know their self. Mm-hmm. And know? for someone who doesn't. Um if there's anybody out there who doesn't even understand what we're talking about, you know, think of the sun. That is the concept of what we are really truly becoming is we're becoming just pure, radiant light. In self-sustaining ways. In self-sustaining ways. And that translates in different ways when you have this human body. But inside, internally, that shining sun is being radiated and projected out and, there, and really creating the reality is that pure light. So when we see the sun, we can actually have a, an example of that just pure, unconditional love just radiating out to everyone. Right, because the sun doesn't charge us, right? I mean, the sun is just a constant radiation of that love. And, this, and you know, and our bodies and, and our realities actually need this light to continue and thrive. But the sun doesn't charge, <laughs> thankfully, because, you know, like this is not something we should charge. And this comes into, once again, how we interact with life. Um, right. The sun doesn't charge. Exactly. So so that comes back to the concept. OK, now we're we're in human bodies and in this system we use money. So how does that translate? How does being the sun translate into actual day to day concepts such as these? Well, it's the, it's the law of attraction. What you put out there comes back to you. 
So when you're radiating like the sun, you are actually feeling an immense amount of love, compassion, bliss, just pure flowing awareness and an abundance of energy. So when you feel that abundance of energy and you're radiating that out, you're going to get an abundance of energy back in that has the same quality as what you put out, that feeling that you put out. Mm -hmm. And when you have that with a conscious intention as in your mind of, I am creating this, I'm asking for this, I'm receiving this, I am this, for example, money, then with the intention and, and the feeling together, you, you put that out to the universe and then you just let it go and you watch it come in and you, again, receive guidance of an action step you may need to take. Well, let's, and to make it even more like, you know, grounded in the sense, um, it, it's relatable to once again gardening. And you see this in numerous uh, texts throughout uh, our lives and in ancient texts, etc., um, that you plant the seeds and then you water the seeds. You nurture them with your intent, you know, in this, in this you know, you, you keep it going and then you you don't sit there and watch it and complain that it's not growing. You let it go and you move on to the next uh, development or project in your life. And then when it's time, that project that you completed will bear fruit. Mm -hmm. And this is where this whole concept of harvest comes in in the Bible and, you know, in the law of one and all these other things is that they're relating to the fact that look like what you plant energetically is how it you what you come back with it, you know in the simple put you know what you eat into your body is what you're made of mm. so if you're willingly ingesting nasty things are you going to be a high reflection no so it's the same thing with energetic aspect of life where if you're helping others if you're of service and, and really loving what you're doing love comes back you don't ever hear you know like people getting lo- like nasty things in return it and if so, it's something to have to experience to, to radiate that love to that person even more. But, uh, yeah, living in that state of unconditional love really is a, a key factor um, mm-hmm. in all of this. Yeah, and so, like, what you were saying also that caught my eye was that it's not like a vending machine interaction that you have with life or with the sun because the sun is not monetized. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, so... You don't have to pay a fee of some sort in order to be deserving of the sun's light. Exactly. It's just a natural function of the, the reality matrix that we're involved in. Yeah, and that's something that I'd really like to touch upon um, in terms of like the whole concept of going to college and getting a job and that whole timeline paradigm that um, many people have put, been, put, uh, been put in or put themselves in. Because our parents, and this is my experience, because our parents wanted us to, because that's what they did, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, again, we're like, um, as I've done, I've had to completely, um, I went through it and realized it wasn't the right path for me. It wasn't working. And so I had to stop and then take an entirely different path, which caused me to come here to Kauai and take a, a giant leap of faith and wake up and realize that I can do whatever I truly want to do and I don't have to follow somebody else's rules I don't have to follow somebody else's path mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. thoughts and beliefs about what I what's right for me mm-hmm. so it's like about taking that back and and realizing that you don't actually have to work hard in order to be deserving of anything that is the 
the biggest lie they've, that's one of the biggest lies they told us. Really, what is true is that we are all worthy of everything that we truly want in our hearts. And when we find that self-love inside of ourselves, that self-worth, that I'm just, I'm just a child of the universe. I, I, I deserve everything the universe, all the gifts that the universe wants to give me. And the gifts that are for you. Exactly. And there's specific ways in which you receive gifts. For example, I have received the gift of sound, and so now I'm able to share it. I've received the gift of being able to be in this house, so now I'm able to create. And so for me, I actually just receive the, the gifts that the universe has given me without stipulations of, well, no, but I need to work hard and, and do all this stuff in order to mm-hmm. actually receive it. Because mm-hmm. if I don't do that, then, like, you know, I'm just taking handouts. Like, this isn't... Right. And so all those thoughts, we just kind of calm them down and realize that, no, no, just as you are, you are perfect. And just as you are, you are worthy and deserving of all the goodness that is that is life. And right, and this is where work... Well, and you see this all the time with people like, oh, well, you have to work for everything. You have to work for it. Right. The natural work ethic that we have is really, from what I'm experiencing, is aimed at our personal creation. It doesn't mean we don't deserve something. Right. That's a big difference. That's a big difference. It means like, you know, like she's saying, it's like I don't, uh, you know, I had this conversation before with someone of, you know, like where I climbed a coconut tree and got a coconut and someone said, well, how much did that cost? And I actually had to actually explain that the coconut tree didn't charge me. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really where they're like, oh my gosh, you, what, how co- you didn't pay for that. That's still like in this bizarre thing where the work, even though I put the energy in, I physically worked, climb the tree, get the coconut, came back down it still doesn't make sense from that conditioned mind state because, well, you didn't earn the coconut. You didn't work to get the money to buy the coconut, right? Right. It's this bizarre thing because it's the store mentality. I go to the store and I purchase the coconut kind of thing. And there's all kinds of, you know, interesting little uh, moral packages that that shows up in. And, I, you know, I just want to clarify even further what I'm getting from both of you in this dynamic is that it's one thing to work for something. We're not saying you don't work for things, right? right? That's not what is being said is that no matter where you are in your life, you are deserving of anything you want. That's the difference. What, because I look at human behavior, I look at what actually motivates people to do things. And you know, remember that Will Smith movie? Um, God, what was it? The Pursuit of Happiness. And it's very clear that that individual who was in pursuit of happiness believed he deserved it, which is why he went through that journey. Right. If he didn't yeah. think he deserved it or his son deserved it or whatever, there would be no impulse to even take Start. the first step, right? Exactly. So it's, it's, it's just to clarify what's being said here is that no matter what, you always, if you have a vision or something, you deserve to have it. Exactly. And it's, it, it, to me, it goes even beyond deserving. It's that I will have it because it's what I'm here to do. Yes. And so I'm just following my path that's already been really laid out mm. for me. I'm just walking the path of my dream. And it's, it's, it's developing. It's unfolding. And that's the feminine way of walking through the world is just letting it happen, being part of the mystery, not understanding everything, but still going forward. And then the masculine energy comes in and says, well, here's the structure that we can create. And here's uh, the concept of knowing what 
what is ahead of you, knowing what is what is the right thing to do in each moment. Mm-hmm. Um, called I, I call it the inner the internal guidance system. Right, right. And uh, once we develop that, it's like it's like basically like once we decide, okay, we're deserving of having the dream that we want. Yes, we believe that we can have that. We believe we can create it. And yes, we're willing to do what it takes to create that. Okay, well, now you have these three basic things out of the way. Well, now you now it comes to what truly is it that you want to do? What is the life purpose? Right. And that's where the meditation comes in. Right. And for me, I found what I'm here to do, like with my life in terms of like the career and like the music and, and the arts and everything that I want to share with the world. Before mm-hmm. I actually met my beloved, but it was a stepping stone to understanding myself and being sovereign because now I have this this life path that I'm walking and then he just showed up and now we're walking side by side together right and he has his own sovereign path exactly and and learning to distinguish you know like you said between deserving <laughs> something and then having to work for something it's it's so different you know because Everyone always says, you know, like I'll even say it simply put, you know, a lot of people, you know, can go out there and cut down a tree, do their physical work, whatever they call physical work, you know, go to work in the nine to five. But then they get home and they don't know how to lift their own heart. And this is where it's a self-destructive cycle. So what is work really? Well, at the end of the day, this work is the direct reflection of you, you know, and how does this, you know, how does it work? Well, as you do that inner work, you find out that it's really exhausting to unravel these inner knots of fear. And you start seeing that, whoa, you know, and you've said this before, it's, you know, it's simple, but not necessarily easy. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone always says, oh, just let go of uh, your addiction or, oh, just let go of it. Yeah, but, you know, it's that now you see the true courage. You know, you see all these people that are like surviving survivors of heroin and stuff like that. And they're really powerful beings. I mean, like people like Johnny Depp that have had pasts or, you know, etc., and they come out of it so powerful. Well, it was the inner growth that allowed them to physically express that power in the real time because they knew they were deserving of life. Mm-hmm. They proved it. No one can tell them what that they're not worth it. They just can't. <clears throat> and so now it comes into, okay, so we have these people that are now expressively doing their art to the world and they are receiving money for their own personal creation. You know, I mean, like George Lucas, it's not like he, there's a job for Star Wars creation out there, right? You don't go on the Craigslist and say, oh, I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to make He's a movie. Right. You're a, you're the, the, the paradigm destroyer, right? You're going through and, and <laughs> cutting through your own path. And this is where what we've chosen, and it's simple but not easy. And this is pioneering why, a whole new right, way. pioneering a new way to experience life. And this is why we say there's new, no new manual, so to speak. You know, I just have to to comment on that idea real quickly. Um, it's fascinating, right? Because we look at all the the quote unquote pioneers that we respect and revere, and we immortalize them and put them on a pedestal, right? But what's interesting is that then. That pedestal depiction creates a following, almost like a cult following. We use that term a lot, cult-like following. And 
the thing that we admire about them is that they paved their own way and yet we're trying to follow in their formula so that's an interesting one too that i realized when i was in the shadow of certain people that i respect i had to realize like wait a minute what is it that I am resonating with them on? What is it beyond the the superficial that I actually admire about them? And it's those kind of traits. And once I realized that, I was like, wow, okay, then I can stop living in their shadow and I can blaze my own trail. Yes. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Like you said, I mean, you look at like, I mean, just let's, everyone's thinking it, right? <laughs> Einstein. It's the most natural, basic person that I, I mean, everyone knows right off the bat. I mean, you can read his autobiography uh, at your leisure, of course. But it really came down to that he was a rebel in school. He didn't go the way they wanted him to. He would just go and sit alone in his office and just do mm-hmm. meditation and just contemplate using his imagination. Contemplate the universe. And all the, exactly. And all these people would come into his life saying, well, why aren't you out doing anything? But then he's writing on the board and he looks back like, what do you mean? I'm doing this right here. But it wasn't, an, it wasn't a physical thing, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. that physical thing. That This is where people have the work thing of like, well, yeah, but what? It, like, I see that you're doing this, but you're not working. Right. You're not actually doing something. Right. And Einstein and Nikola Tesla and all these people, when you see them, they're not out there in their hard hat on, you know, on the street doing their construction. No, they're sitting in a chair smoking a pipe looking at a book and peering over their glasses at you, you know, because they're saying, look, like my, my work that I really give to the planet is through these concepts such as writing, such as my abstract ability to, to handle these thoughts, you know, you don't, that's the imagination. And there's numerous quotes about that from Einstein, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The imagination. And that's what we're bringing back is, is the pure imagination and that childlike wonder of the world. And right. So it's like it's like getting back to that inner child and really really getting in touch with that joyful, wondrous aspect of life where everything is everything is new and everything's exciting, everything's beautiful. Everything mm. has a um, everything has a mystery to it and Yeah. The and, view the view we're looking at is pretty epic. Exactly, yeah. yeah. The sun is setting over here and and you know, when we have that inside of us and then we take that childlike wonder and we create with it and we realize that we are perfect just the way we are at just that very baseline we are perfect then we can build that that is the foundation that we can build from and create our dreams from mm-hmm. when well, i think like even then like you know in relationships you know we also see that traveling for me in my personal life you know, it helped me to paint my my reality. It let me see what I like, what I don't like, you know, all these qualities about life. Um, yeah, and that's very important um, yeah. to, to look back on my own path and realize that if I hadn't gone off on my own for a while and just kind of, you know, trial and error, figured it out, been in all different types of situations, traveling all over the, um, the U.S. and Hawaii, well then I wouldn't have become so strong. Then I wouldn't have learned all these lessons. And, and then I wouldn't have had such an easier, uh, so much of an easier time um, with my beloved because now that I've done all that, I'm here and I'm like just ready to just be with you and, and just grow with you. And right. It's, it becomes more simple now. 
Mm, you've had all those experiences <laughs> yeah. that, you know, like, you know, they all say the college years, right? You know, like, well, what have you seen about college is what is it really becoming? I mean, it's not- it's notoriously known that you go to a big university. I mean, we've all seen the movies, right? Yeah. It's basically just You have same. a lot of sex, you cram, you, right. uh, drink, you, a you drink a lot. It's, it's all very well accepted. That's why there's these clubhouses we call sororities or, <laughs> right. or whatever. And... It's very well known by all the authoritative figures that are running the show that there are going to be parties. There are going to be um, these mess-making, um, you know, concentrated mess-making sessions every weekend, right? So, <laughs> yeah. um, so it's a very interesting thing to think about because when I study human design, um, one of the things that comes up is the, the timeline decade-wise, decade-to-decade timeline that most humans typically will go through – from 20 to 30 are considered your mess-making years. Maybe now for a lot of us it's like 20 to 25 or 20 to 21 even, where we, we concentrate that we have those experiences, and some of us get flipped out of it sooner than later. But essentially your 20s from that perspective is your mess-making years. And that doesn't mean you get drunk and go party. That means that you make mistakes. Right. And yeah. you learn and grow yes. and you concentrate that all those experiences so now you actually have practical wisdom based on those lessons and then you go to 30 or 40 and it's it's more about then you become more refined more focused maybe start thinking about family whatever you know it's just that idea that actually making messes quote-unquote or blazing a new trail is actually part of the natural cycle of life Exactly. But it feels in unnatural because we're domesticated and we don't actually know who we are. Right. Based on society. And yeah. that's the other thing about it is, um, you know, the whole idea of education and what we're teaching our children isn't clearly, as you can see, the patterns. It's just not working. The children are growing up and they're depressed and they're angry and they've got drinking problems, you know. So... What what are we doing? What are we teaching them? And how can we teach? How can we teach a way that like children actually do have a foundation they need to go off and blaze a trail, but also have the foundation of who they are and have a strong identity before they actually even go out into the world. So then those mess making years become a little less messy. Messy, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When I think this is where you know, like you see this, you know, in our high schools, right? You go through high school, you spend all those years. You know, other grades, even before this previous, you get to the end of it, your senior year, and you choose a college, right? That's what everyone does. You choose the college and you jump right into it. Okay, well, those mess-making years are now a part of your curriculum of your your schooling. So this is why you can see this correlation in that. They're not actually out traveling and and not creating messes in that sense, but living life, learning what it's like to run out of food. Because the you experience know. of life really is... Um the strongest and the greatest uh, school, the right. school of life. You know, and we even discussed the the samurai, you know, um, who actually went out into nature and nature trained these people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see this in like, you know, maybe some of your listeners can relate to this, but, you know, all these stories like Dragon Ball Z, you know, and all these, these martial arts stories mm-hmm. of these people mm-hmm. that they're not training in downtown New York, <laughs> right? They're out in life. They're out living in the caves, you know, traveling and learning what it's like. And then they always come back to society yes. and relay what they've learned and they become the figure that everyone looks up to. Mm-hmm. And this comes back to blazing your own trail. I mean, like, let's just relate it to the Bible even, right? 
I mean, the figure that we've been told is Jesus. Well, no one really told him a path. He just kind of busted it out and said, all right, here we go. I'm going to learn about it. And that's, I think, the archetype that we're really trying to uh, explain here is like some how like the seeker of life and the experience. And after you've gone the route of life, you now have developed the wisdom to actually ground it in an, in an, and have a family because you know what it's like in all these other ways. It's the hero's journey. The hero's journey that mm-hmm. Joseph Campbell has discussed in numerous ways. Um, and yeah, and, our, and our, our children just simply aren't receptive because they've been dumbed down and they've been told, well, guys, you got to, it's just part of debt. You got to go into debt right off the bat. You just, it's who we are. Sorry, guys. Like, just, you so know. it's the, they're telling us the exact opposite of what's true is that life yes. is abundant. It's an infinite energy flow, but they're telling us, no, there's, there's a constriction. There's a yeah. scarcity. Yeah. That's not actually true. I mean, if you look on, if you look at it from an outside perspective, you look at the planet, well, there actually is enough resources on the planet to comfortably feed and clothe and shelter and give medicine and education to every single person on the planet. It's just Easily. the way that we're just redistributing yeah it would be it would take a redistribution of all those resources i think it comes down to and michael beckwith in that movie that we watched together i think really brilliantly put it put the point out there is that you know albert einstein said that you can't solve a problem with the same consciousness that created in the first place and that's ultimately the the root of every epidemic that we have in our world at every turn. I don't care what it is, what's your rationale in your little box for why this is different than this. The reality is that the the consciousness of doubt has created a drought, so exactly. to speak. That's really the metaphor and the, 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 the formula. If you want to do one plus two equals three, then that's kind of how you have to look at it from that level of logic. And I don't want to go on a whole thing about that. Um, I don't. You're welcome to jump in. <laughs> well, I mean, when you um, you say that, it makes me think of something I was thinking about earlier in our conversation about faith and trust. And the concepts of faith and trust are extremely important now in this new way of being. The things that are falling apart are that we have to have the security in order to feel okay. Well, if we let that go and we jump into the mystery, then we then we are using the concepts of, of faith and trust. And when we, use the, when we actually have that, when we take that leap of faith and we just trust the universe to guide us and we trust ourselves to be capable and responsible and strong, then we create a reality in which it's more unlimited, really. Mm-hmm. And that is the only way that I actually have gotten to this point where now I am extremely happy. Now I have a, a high level of inner peace. Now I have a a reflection of my twin flame beloved who supports me and loves me so much that it's, it's indescribable. Now I have all these wonderful things in my life. Well, the only way that I actually got to this point was, was through that process of trust and faith. And so it's, it's something that really every individual has to feel for themselves, but it is very, very real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> so we are at that top of the hour. What is a, a nice insight that you like? Each of you would like to relay to the audience. I would like to say that um, in forgiveness, you will you will actually stop the wheel of karma from actually coming into your own life. 
uh, and affecting you. So forgive yourself for creating the world in your life this way. Forgive yourself for the things that have happened in your life. Forgive yourself for not being strong enough in those moments and just, you know, and just see and learn from it. And, you know, and it might even help to take some time just to really, you know, study what it means to be a male or a female, you know? So I think that's my closing words is I love you and it's okay to feel that I love you love yourself too it's okay (laughs) yeah I think that with that uh, my closing thought really is to live in the perfection of each moment and and trust that each moment is carrying you into the next one and that it is truly okay everything's going to be okay and it already is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. beautiful Oh, thank you too for <laughs> making the time to sit with me on the show. Thank I really you. appreciate it. Yeah, pleasure yeah, is ours. You thank so you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for all of you listening, thank you for making it this far into this exploration <laughs> into consciousness and what we're all doing here, why are relationships so important and really fine tuning how we relate to one another and how we relate to ourselves. This is Ronnie Landis. This has been the official Ronnie Landis podcast show, and we will see you on the next episode. Aloha. Aloha. Aloha.